Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Board Games Daily, your daily dose of tabletop gaming discussion on Anchor. Now welcome your hosts, Jeremiah Isley, Scott Firestone, and AJ Skifstad. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to Board Games Daily. We've got a lot of good stuff coming at you today. We're going to do our Topic Tuesday on Wednesday. That's today. And we are going to talk a little bit about what Firestone got to the table. I had a sneak peek of that this morning. Uh, I was texting back and forth. And so there's going to be a lot of cool new information coming at you about some new games that were hitting his table. And I'm excited to hear about all the details of those games. So stay tuned. We got our topic coming up. And then we're going to hear about from Firestone about his game night. That's it for now. Hey, everyone. Firestone here with Board Games Daily, powered by TheologyofGames.com. Coming to you with what I played on Tuesday. I recorded a segment earlier, and I couldn't upload it. So I'm doing this again, which stinks, because, you know, you kind of catch fire in a bottle, in a jar, in that first broadcast. But anyway, so I'm going to break this into two parts. First part is going to be game one that I played. I was hoping to play Coimbra and Carpe Diem, the new Stefan Feld game. And I got to play both, which doesn't always happen. So first I'm going to talk about Coimbra. It's awesome. I loved this game. It has a super boring theme. You're trying to influence people in a court, in a city, in a... uh, It's dumb, stupid theme. But the gameplay... The artwork, the aesthetic, just elevates it and makes the theme inconsequential. It's so fun. So what it is, is it's a cool kind of dice worker placement game. So there are various colored dice that you will roll every turn. And then in turn order, you're going to basically take one of these dice and put it in one of three tiers of a city. Each tier has four people to the left of it. And you're going to, so you're going to be trying to influence one of those four people. And the number on the die determines who goes first. So if I put a six down, I'm guaranteed to get first pick. If I put a five down, someone else could put a six down and they would pick before me. If someone else puts a five down after I do, they have to go after me. So it's the first one in with a number. Another cool thing about this game, and this is related, is that it scales really well because we played a three-player game, and so you put down kind of dummy dice that are on these, there's one die on each of these three cities in a three-player game with a value, like a four or a three or something like that. And so you have to take that into account. So you go, I can't put a four there, I'll go after the dummy player, and the dummy player automatically takes the highest-valued person. So... There's a lot to think about. You might be okay with them taking the highest valued person because you actually wanted this other one who has a better special power. I'll explain all this in a second. So just that part of it, really cool. There's lots to think about. Which die am I going to use? In addition to the value telling who goes first, you have to pay that much currency to buy that person that's that's on that level. And there are two currencies in the game. One is coins and one is strength, I guess it's called. And so each each person takes one of those two things. And so you have to determine, oh, uh, I, I have enough coins to buy that person, but if someone else buys them before me, I'll only have strength people left and I don't have any strength. So there's a, there's more juggling with this as well. In fact, this whole game is the kind that you do not want to play with someone who is AP prone. Trust me. Don't do it. And if that's you, don't play this. 
So many different things going on. So everyone in turn order will put these dice out and then you go through each of the tiers of the city and people pay for and bring the people to them. And each person will do a couple of things. First, they will increase your, there are four different tracks. There's like a clergy track and a scholar track and a merchant track. And I can't remember what the other one is. So each person that you, that you take will increase you some level one, like one to three, I think it is on there. In addition, they'll all have some kind of a special power that will either trigger immediately. And then you just set the card aside or it will trigger in a future phase. And so you kind of tuck it under your board. And then later on when that phase comes up, you go, oh, I can do this thing with a special person. Super cool. Tons of variability in this game. So everyone in turn order gets these people, influences who they want to, does what they want to. And then after you've done that, you start triggering the dice based on color. So this is another level. So you use the dice earlier for their values, and then you, you put them down in front of you. And now... If you picked an orange die, you're going to go up in the merchant. Or not, you're going to go up. You're going to trigger the merchant. So whatever level you were at, I talked about going up and down levels. Now you're going to get some money from the merchants. Or you're going to be able to travel in the clergy. And there's like a travel board that your little guy goes around and gets bonuses. Or you're going to get straight victory points from the scholars. So you're taking these dice and you need them for the value. You might need them for the color. It's so cool. And then there's one more level where at the end of the turn, you can fund these voyages that are at the bottom that will give you various bonuses based on how well you've done by the end of the game. This game was great. The gameplay was superb. So many things to think about. Move, many moving parts. Don't play with this with AP prone people. The theme, like I said, is kind of boring, but the artwork is so great. It's vibrant. It has these bright colors and it just works. It's so good. Coinbro was awesome. So you'll have to stay tuned to hear what I thought about Carpe Diem, the latest Feld. Stay tuned. Bye. Hey folks, Firestone here with Board Games Daily, powered by TheologyofGames.com. This is part two of my game night recap. So I talked about Coimbra earlier. And now I'm going to talk about Carpe Diem, which is the latest Stefan Feld game. And I'm a big Stefan Feld fan. I love Trajan. I love Castles of Burgundy. I love Aquasphere. I love In the Year of the Dragon. He's a great designer and one of my favorites. So I was super excited to try this game. Then we opened it up and I thought, man, this game is really drab. Really drab. Now, now this could have been because I had just played Coimbra, which, as I said, is vibrant and colorful and took this boring theme and said, how can we make this not boring and succeeded? Carpe Diem seemed to say, hey, we have this boring theme. Let's go with it. And they did. And the artwork is kind of, it seems like it's trying to be realistic, but in so doing, it's just boring. The colors are so drab. The artwork is utilitarian, but utilitarian that's oddly not that functional because you look at a, a, a tile and you go, I don't know exactly. Is that a curve? Does that end there? I'm not sure what that's doing. It does not work. The artwork, terrible. So the idea in Carpe Diem is there, are, oh gosh, I want to say six or seven spots. I can't remember now. 
and um, on the board, and you're, you have a little meeple guide that will be on one of those spots. And every turn, you will travel to one of the two other spots that are connected to that spot and take a tile from there and then put it in your tableau. And there are various architectural pieces or fields or chicken pens or wine fields, villas, things like that. And you can, you have to kind of like Carcassonne, you have to follow the sides and, and make the wine field continue on. And you want, you know, you want to make them as big as you can mostly, but you also want to complete them because you get more points and bonuses when you complete these various things. It's, um, fine. (laughs) Like I said, the artwork is like, oh, this is a bank because it's a gold square building. Oh, and this is a Senate building or something because it's gray and looks just like the bank, but it's gray. It's (laughs) hilariously terrible artwork in this. So, you're, you're, you're moving around the board and you can get to various spots, but sometimes it takes a couple of moves to get there because each spot only goes to two other ones. So you might have to move over here in order to go over here in order to get to the actual spot that you really want. And of course, the thing is that tile might not be there when you get there because every turn people are taking tiles. And so diminishing returns, you get to a spot and you have fewer choices. So the choices become less interesting as the, as the turn progresses. There are four turns in the game and... At the end, you're just scoring various bonuses, and at the end of each turn, you're putting, uh, you're scoring two scoring cards that come out that will be completely different every game, but again, are just kind of mostly boring. Uh, it, it it gives this illusion of replayability and variability, but it's it's not like you're ever going to be like, oh, remember that game last time where we needed chickens and grapes? Oh, that was crazy. No, it's, it's all just variations on the same thing. It's so boring. Just, it's it's bland. The theme is bland. The artwork is bland. The gameplay is bland. This Stefan Feld is usually at worst good for me even his games that i haven't really cared for have been like oh it's still good it's still better than so many other games out there this game was a stinker i cannot recommend carpe diem even if you love felt i love felt even if you love boring themes and are okay with it it's not interesting it's not fun it's not beautiful it's not a good game do not seize this day We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. Bye. All right. We like to sometimes revisit topics that we've used before. Now, I don't know that we've necessarily used this one before. It might just be something that we've talked about, uh, maybe between Firestone and Jeremiah and myself or just some of my gaming buddies. And so the topic today is our favorite games from a movie franchise or book series. Now, there's a lot of these games out here. Some of them you don't even realize are based on books or movies. Um, And that's cool. But a lot of them you do. And that's why you buy the game. And sometimes they're a major bust. For instance, there's one game called... uh, Well, I won't talk about busts. But there's so many games based on Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Aliens... Uh, Marvel movies, DC movies, 
uh, you name it, Firefly, different Battlestar Galactica, it's all out there. TV, I'm sorry, I should have included TV shows, I guess. So all these things that are based on franchises, and we want to know, what's your favorite game? Well, for me, I think that my favorite game has to be Lord of the Rings, the living card game. There are many Lord of the Rings games out there. There's, uh, there's the Battle for Middle Earth. There's the Hobbit, the Battle of Five Armies. There's the deck building games. There's Confrontation. Uh, that's just to name a few. And there's more. Uh, but my favorite is probably Lord of the Rings, the living card game. This is not necessarily based on the movies. Uh, it doesn't use the movie artwork like the trading card game did, um, or where it used the still shots. It uses artwork that somebody actually draws and creates and the artwork is beautiful i absolutely love it the colors are very vivid on the cards and i like that they go more in depth than the movies actually do you'll have characters that enter the game that aren't from the movie series but are definitely from the book series if you're familiar with the books and it's a cooperative game which i also really enjoy i love cooperative games absolutely love them Um, sometimes more than competitive games And so I love the fact that it's cooperative. I love the fact that everybody has their own deck and that they can customize it. And you can add different characters that you want to add. You don't have to add them as a group. Um, You don't just get pitted against one another like you do in the Star Wars card game. And and you have the cards that your deck has. Even though, yes, you can customize those. I mean, basically, you have a kind of a starting deck that you have to work with. But as you play Lord of the Rings, it gets super customizable as you go through it and you open up new characters with each pack of cards. And so I love that you can add different uh, characters to the game. I love that the cards that are coming at you from the encounter deck change for every scenario. And they've got their little, they've got their little mark on the bottom that tells you what kind of threat they are so you know what to add to the deck. It is a great game. Oh, the, the threat dials, I love those. As your threat goes up and things get worse for the players, you have everybody has an individual dial. It is a fun game. I love it. There's four factions. You can play it with up to four players. Uh, unfortunately, I believe you have to have two core sets. Maybe they've remade it now so that you only have to have one core set and you get four players worth out of it. And the first one, you had to buy another core set or get on eBay and buy the extra um, uh, player dials and, and extra tokens, which I did. I bought it for like 13 bucks. Love, love, love the Lord of the Rings living card game. And that's not just because it's a great game. It's because Lord of the Rings is probably my all-time favorite movie franchise slash book series. I, I can't get enough of it. There's so much lore and history behind it. Uh, Tolkien was so immersive in the creation of Middle Earth. And so I think that for me, I just, that, that's just my favorite overall franchise slash book series. It's so good. So we want to hear from you. What is your favorite game that has been made, excuse me, your favorite movie franchise or book series or TV show that's been made into a game? That's it for now. Check you later. Hey guys, Jeremiah here, going to drop in with my response to Topic Tuesday on Thursday when we are actually publishing this episode. We're catching up. We're catching up. We had, we'll talk about it later, but we had a week last week, but we're getting there. All right, so we're getting through this, and I, I briefly listened to AJ's response, but I think it's the same as mine. It's the Lord of the Rings living card game. It's one of my favorite games of all time, probably top five. Uh, 
maybe top three, maybe top top, but uh, it's it's so good. It's so cooperative. It's so fun. It has that sort of RPG feel in a card game that I really enjoy. Uh, again, like I said, it's cooperative. So me and my buddies have had a really good time playing this game over the years. It's been a while since it's actually hit the table, which I need to uh, alleviate that issue. But this has been, um, this has just been a solid go-to game for so long. It's been so great. The only, the only complaint that I would have with it is that it is a bit of a money sink because you, you know, all those campaign decks come out, those adventure packs, all that stuff it can be a little, little pricey and, and wear on the, on the wallet, if you will. But man, what a great, great game. There's so much of it out there. Now you can actually buy a lot of it for pretty inexpensively now. So it's not such a, a cash hurdle to kind of get into it. I love this game. I think it's great. Uh, it's my, answer to my favorite franchise game if if there's a book or movie that's been turned into a game that i really love it's that one now there are some other ones too obviously star wars there's a lot of great games x-wing miniatures imperial assault uh there's there's really some solid games in the star wars universe that if you are a star wars fan you will enjoy but uh my go-to is the lord of the rings card game all right that's mine what's yours Call in, let us know, 216-352-38, excuse me, 3864. Um, Let us know what you think is the best franchise that's been turned into a game, and we'll play it on the air. We'll let you know, or if you're listening on Anchor, you could just use that voice message feature, which is super groovy, or you can go to theologyofgames.com slash bgd. Fill out the form there, send us a little message, and we'll get it on the show as well. So there it is. Let us know what your response to Topic Tuesday is, and we'll be back with more here on Board Games Daily. Hey everyone, Firestone here with Board Games Daily, powered by TheologyOfGames.com, coming to you with... Topic Tuesday on Thursday. As Jeremiah said, we're trying to catch up. So for me, I'm going to give a different answer than AJ and Jeremiah gave. They gave the same game. And um, just to be different, it would probably be my game as well. I love Lord of the Rings, the living card game. But just to be different, just to give you guys something different to listen to, I'm going to say for my favorite franchise, I'm going to go with a book, which I guess they did too. But mine's going to be Eldritch Horror. Now, to be honest, I've only read a little bit of Lovecraft, and I can't really get past the fact that he was super racist. (laughs) So, I'm not a big Cthulhu fan. I don't care about the mythos. Um, I I mean, he did kind of set this sense of dread in his books that I um, admire, but it's hard to get past the rest of the stuff. So, take that with a grain of salt. But Eldritch Horror is an amazing game. I hate Arkham Horror, second edition. I don't know about third edition yet. And most of the others are just kind of like, whatever, fine. I don't, like I said, I don't really follow the mythos, so I don't really care that much. Eldritch Horror is a great game. If it had a different theme, it would still be a great game. So it's a great game, I don't know, I suppose, despite that theme. But 
you are it's a cooperative game where everyone has special powers and you're running across the globe trying to fight monsters close gates and keep terrible things from happening to the group and it is so evocative and fun and exciting and just the cards are awesome they have different powers on them so you might get cursed and there are like four or five different types of curses so you get a curse card and then something in the game might trigger it and makes you flip it over and my curse card could be different than your curse card so great so my answer is eldritch horror even though i could have said things like lord of the rings i could have said things like star wars rebellion i could have said things like uh i don't know what else is out there that's good anyway my answer is eldritch horror what's your answer let us know thanks for listening talk to you later bye thanks for joining us today board games daily is powered by theologyofgames.com Don't forget to head over to TheologyOfGames.com to check out all we have to offer, including written reviews, our YouTube channel, and two other podcasts. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you're listening. Thanks for listening, and go put a game on the table.